Hey guys, welcome back to Investing Should Be Easy. I'm your host, Alex Richwagon, and my show is all about looking for investment strategies for long-term growth through capital appreciation using dividends reinvested and looking for ways to make life a little bit easier, spend a little bit less time on things that don't matter and have some money, extra money in the pocket. This is the second part in the series of how to find investments. And the first one we talked about, like the kind of the common sense approach, the everyday consumer interacts with probably something like 20 to 30 companies at least on a daily basis, whether you know it or not, conscientiously or subconsciously. So in today's show, we're going to go into another step of this approach and how do you look for different investments and over you're saying, okay, I'm looking for to set up my investment portfolio over the next 12 to 18 months. Maybe the dividend reinvestment plan strategy isn't perfect for you. This isn't one that I cover my book completely. Investing should be easy is the book. And I thought it'd be a good segue to something I just did recently as far as a investment strategy of my own. I do use the common sense approach. I do use the drip plan, dividend reinvestment plan approach through both computer share and Wells Fargo services, but I also use other strategies too. And I thought it'd be helpful as I've gotten some mailbag questions on how do you locate your investments? What do you look for? And what are the things I should be looking for? So we're going to go through one of the ones I did recently, but before we dive into that, just want to say, uh, hope everybody had a good holiday, a happy, uh, happy Christmas and uh, has a happy, um, new year's as well, because just as important to have friends, uh, fun with your family family and friends just be safe and make sure you're getting home safe and so you make it through to 2018 because we want to see you out there as well full disclosure today i am recording the podcast once again with my daughter in the room hopefully she doesn't wake up too quickly so everything will work out and you don't hear too much of her crying and, and more of just me and we're going to go with the show so uh, we're going to get started and three two cue the music Investing should be easy. There we go. There we go. And we're going to get started. Um, just a quick sense. But um, one of the things I wanted to lead off before we jump in the show was uh, just, you know, the personal stories. We had a, a good holiday over the, uh, over the weekend and multiple families traveling. And I tell you, ever since I had my firstborn, it's amazing by the amount of stuff that you just start accumulating. Your whole house just becomes one big haven of stuff, and you're trying to figure out where can I hide all this stuff before it kind of goes away. You've got your parents, you've got her parents, you've got multiple families, friends, all these people trying to buy your daughter as many toys as possible, and she's only three months old. She can't really understand like all the toys and what's going on, which is kind of funny. Honestly, just give her some tissue paper, or uh, some wrapping paper and let her play with that for an hour and it'll be just as effective. But um, just just as my side note from seeing my first Christmas with my daughter and going through the experience myself. So like I said at the top of the show, we're going to look at a step two on a four-part series of how do I locate my investments. And I'm going to go through an idea that I had about... Um, two years ago, and then followed up on it when I wasn't making too much traction because 
one of the things I've tried to bring across in these shows is you don't always hit it right right on the first try. Sometimes you got to go back and figure out what you did right, what you did wrong, and how do you improve? How do you pivot, if you will? So about two, two and a half, three years ago, I was researching future, let's just say, trends in the marketplace and where are companies going to be spending more of their capital, if you will. And I'm going to bring up a spreadsheet while I'm doing this because I'll need to reference it in about, I don't know, a few minutes. So one of the things that's very big, if you've gone through this year, we talked about um, security and cybersecurity was breaches. Anybody that you know knew about the Equifax breach, the Target breach, anybody else that's been affected by any of these personal breaches knows what I'm talking about as far as companies are ramping up and cybersecurity on why it's such a big deal, if you will. Now about, said two years ago, I really dove into the sector and I thought instead of you know taking on risk directly straightforward, I thought, why don't I get one of the ETFs that mimics a cybersecurity portfolio and go that directory? So just for reference, an ETF is similar to a mutual fund. It's a basket of stocks that by investing in anywhere between 20 to 100 to 500 stocks in one basket or an index, you decrease your risk, which gives you a nice basket of different ideas. That way you don't have to go chasing too many. This strategy is really powerful and it's one of the bedrocks in my book of calling the fort. Basically you're saying, I don't want to derail too much, but just real quick, the fort is basically in your portfolio, the cornerstone of your portfolio that's going to survive the ebbs and flows of the marketplace. Um, you want to have about three to five ETFs, exchange traded funds in there that give you exposure to sectors or indexes that you can go ahead and take your shots outside of that. And so what I did is I, I found a pure cybersecurity ETF and cybersecurity ETF was called HACK, H-A-C-K, just like a hacker. And I had it for about two and a half years. It didn't really do a whole lot. Honestly, I maybe made like 5%, which is really not great. And I went and started looking inside the ETF and it turns out there was only 25 positions because there's not a lot of these in the marketplace. And it was a very new to the entryway. Some names you might recognize like Cisco Systems, Juniper, um, Splunk, which is coming a little more mainstream. But then there's a lot of other things that are in there that I didn't know about like Palo Alto, um, software, and I've read it in Fortune as well, Fortinet, uh, Proof, Proofpoint, um, Mantech International. And so what I started doing is, since these were all established companies, I wanted to actually compare them against each other to say, who actually has been performing really well? Because there are some bright spots in the ETF itself, but the whole ETF has been too outweighed by some of the ones that are a little bit negative in the portfolio and so I wanted to kind of dive a little bit deeper and put some together some fundamental analysis which means you're looking at ratios that are derived from a company's balance sheet both their current balance sheet and then as well as their future projections to see how that all measures up so what I did is I laid out and what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to attach the spreadsheet that I created onto the link of this podcast to give you an idea of what it looks like. And what I did is I went through 
all the different names. Um, I took, you know, things like their stock symbol. I looked them up in Google Finance, which is one of our main keeps when we do a three-step approach. I looked at Finviz, that's F-I-N-V-I-Z.com. And I started diving into key ratios that I like to look for and see what is this telling me? What companies are poised for greater growth in the future? Which companies performed okay to well this year? Which ones had explosive growth and could be on precipice of going forward even more? And I kind of wanted to start understanding all that data to let the numbers speak for themselves, if you will. So things that I like to look for, I like to look at compare their current PVE, which is their price to earnings ratio, versus their forward price to earnings ratio. And the reason why is it's that's their future PDE is um, kind of like the forward-looking guidance. Are they going to keep outperforming their current? Are they going to stay for the status quo? Is the forward PDE, is it scheduled to be higher than their current status? So they expecting higher growth in the future. So that was kind of important to me. I want to look at their um, PE uh, growth, which is known as PEG. Look at those ratios as well. I want to look at their, their profit margins there, and then as also their earnings per share growth over the next year and the next five years to see what are analyst expectations and how are they been meeting those expectations. And one last thing, I wanted I wanted a little bit of risk. I wanted some companies that aren't as well known that might not be like a Cisco where they've got a market cap of $166 billion. I was looking for maybe some diamonds in the rough, maybe some guys that have a chance for a lot of growth, and I want to take a few shots in there. So when I started going through there, I came up with three names. I'll give you the first one, and the other ones I'm going to leave it out for discretion to kind of say, what are the things other people see? Actually, you know, I'll just give them all to you. Um, the first one that stood out to me, and the reason why, was um, I looked at uh, Barracuda Networks. And then when I looked at the fundamentals of the company, they're only about um, just over a billion in market cap. They had a an, an average return of about 20% year-to-date returns, which compared to some of the other big players like Sophos Group and FireEye, who had uh, almost 120 and 51% growth. I, I started looking at the fundamentals of like what else are they expecting in the future of Barracuda Networks, which is stock symbol CUDA. Again, that's Barracuda Networks, market cap of just over a billion, year-to-date return. It was positive, 20%. Their forward PDE really didn't check out. But one thing that I thought was really interesting is when I compared every other company across, their price-to-earnings growth ratio was um, 12 compared to an average of around, let me see real quick, the average across all the ones that I could get, the average was 5.6, almost double more than double of what the everybody else was um, in the same ballpark. Now, if I took them out and I said, what is the average then? By taking the 12 out, the average actually goes down to 5.1. So that 12 does have some weighting to it. The, the company was healthy. They had enough assets to cover their liabilities. But another thing that I saw that I liked was their earnings per share growth next year. And then also the next five years, They've got good sustainable growth that they're looking for, and for a company that is over a billion dollars, I thought it was a, a steal, especially that price earning growth, which outpaced everybody else's that I was able to locate. Another company that I thought was really interesting was um, Mantech International. 
Mantec International stock symbol is M-A-N-T. Keep in mind, this is all just fundamental analysis. I didn't do research into the companies, um, you know, who they are, what they do. Some of the other stuff that I'll take a different approach through maybe um, a drip program, but I will dive in at these pieces of the puzzle because this gives me a different view and a different lens. Just like Barracuda, their peg ratio was over 10, which I thought was really impressive. So that one was stood out to me as well. And a couple of the ratios did speak to me as well as they've got almost um, the same price to earnings ratio versus their um, forward price to earnings ratio. Now let me give you a comparison on those two versus one that I saw that had a great ratio here too, but I didn't pick it up. And just I didn't I haven't looked at this one lately, so let's just do something on the fly right here. I'm gonna go to Google Finance. So I did um, full disclosure. I did start investing with some of these companies, and I've done actually pretty well. So let me look at one that I didn't invest with. The one that I didn't invest with is called Gigamon Inc. In Gigamon Inc., let's see. Just looking at the company. So it looks like they have stopped trading as of January 26th. And looking for if, if there was a buyout or something else. Yes. Yes, there was a buyout. And what was the stock price when I first looked at it? Let's look for a month ago. So Gigamon Inc. was trading around $38 when I first looked at this, and it looks like they were in talks to getting bought out by, let's see, Elliott Manage and Cater Investment, Investment Authority acquires all their shares, and they really didn't make any money off it. But one of the things I wanted to point out, um, that really is not important to me, but what was important is they had a peg ratio of 19.6, which was higher than everybody across the board, but... One of the things that I did not like was their current ratio. Their current price to earning ratio was 587, which means they are expecting huge growth, and they've got to they've got to have enormous year-to-date returns in order to justify that growth. They had a negative um, negative 10% year-to-date return, and they also their forward forward uh, ratio was uh, trading at 34, which is more than 10 times less their forward multiple, which was a concern to me. That means They've already had some explosive growth. Maybe they're all done. Maybe it's going to be a, a something that's going to drop off in the future. So that one I stayed away from, and I'm glad I did because the numbers told me what I should do, and I just followed the numbers. The last company and said first two was CUDA and Mantech, and I get, went through some of the ratios. The last one that I that stuck out to me was um, Verona Systems. Verona System, another one of those um, just over a billion dollars in market cap. You know, they've got um, their for current uh, price earnings ratio is 42, but their forward is 195. That means they're expecting a huge forward growth in the company. The company had a 63% return on investment the year, which was one of the highest in the sector. So I did take that into consideration. They have healthy cash flow. Their return on equity was negative, but a lot of these early companies are, um, are pretty negative. But here's a key thing. Earnings per share growth next year supposed to be 159, uh, 159.3, 159 
which was the highest across the board. So not only did are they expecting future growth and as well as the earnings per share, those were like really, really cool for me to see. And so I went ahead and took a gamble on that one as well. And all across, all three of them, I think each one's up around 10 to 15% over the last month or so just by doing all of this extra fundamental analysis, if you will, and really taking a look under the covers from a different perspective. Again, the first way we looked at it was a common sense look at investing. This week, we looked at a directly a fundamental analysis perspective on how to look for investments. Again, I looked at an idea that I had that was not really succeeding, wasn't failing, but I thought there was room to grow because I know cybersecurity is becoming very important. Companies are putting money behind it. Where is that money going? And which one of those companies is helping the companies the most by their how they do business well? And I looked under the hood, looked at 25 companies, did all the legwork myself, and this is what I came up with, and I'm rewarded for it by almost you know 10 10-15% to across all three investments each, which I thought was a really good return, which was higher than the entire ETF gave me over the over a two-year period. So I wish I would have done it sooner, but this is what I mean by taking ownership over your own decisions and saying, how could I have done that better? What can I do better in the future? How do I improve? And that's how I improved, and that's how I got better. So again, I hope this was helpful for you as far as a different view of looking at investment ideas. And then um, next week, we're going to go through um, a third one, third installment, and then a fourth week, we're going to do another fourth installment. Those are going to be geared towards more of research and then also um, another way of you can do stock screeners on fundamental analysis so you don't have to go through this exact exercise. I could give you some ideas on how to do the, uh, the screener analysis, if you will, and those can be done on Yahoo Finance or uh, Finviz, which is I'm a big fan of because it's a free site that gives you a ton of really, really good data and stuff that you can rely on and make your investment decisions. If you have any questions or comments about today's show, please feel free to send me an email at alex.richwagon at gmail.com or visit the website at alexrichwagon.com. And that's, again, G-E-N on the end of both Richwagon, um, both the last name for the website and email address. This will be the last podcast of 2017. Hope you guys have a wonderful year. Hope all your stocks made you money and continue to do so into 2018 before we I think this bull market's going to keep going just because of this tax stuff, which has been really, really cool to see. Um, just real quick before I sign off, if you guys didn't notice, the tax reform is going to benefit a lot of people individually and as well as the corporations. I'll give you one example of a company that's going to see higher growth next year, Kroger Grocery Stores. And let me see where Kroger is trading at. The reason why I bring that up, um, I'll explain in just a second. So one of the rules that my dad taught me a long time ago is it's not how much money you make, it's how much money you get to keep. And last year, Kroger did not make money. They lost 20% of their market cap, and their year-to-date return was negative 20%. Why that's going to turn around, why it should turn around going forward, is Kroger paid, I think, 35% tax rate last year. With the new tax rules that are going to go into effect, um, probably you know after January when all this stuff gets settled and goes into law, is their tax rate's going to go down to like 20%, 21%. They're going to just get 
income that they didn't have to do before, which is going to be a huge surplus to them. And that's just one company. There's a, a plethora of companies that take pay high, high tax rates that are just going to be given this gift and also companies that have cash stored overseas. But that's just what I said. One thing to think about, and that's the reason why I don't think this bull market is going to go away anytime soon. I think you should feel safe and confident with your investments going to 2018. And if we're wrong, then we'll address on how do you prepare for that as well. Um, I think I've done a podcast before on defensive stocks, on stocks that you could load up on that would be good for shielding against um, potential losses down the road. But we'll cover all that in 2018. Again, um, any questions, comments, emails, alex.richwagon at gmail.com. You guys have a wonderful rest of your year, safe holiday, and uh, I'll talk to you next year. Bye. Alex Richwagon is an investment research analyst. Any of his recommendations are that of Mr. Richwagon. The information presented is the opinion of his and only his research. You should not base your investment decision based solely on his opinion. Remember, it's your money and your responsibility.